Hey, everyone. Welcome to Disrupting Our Practice. I'm Shannon Patterson. And I'm Greg Flynn. This podcast is for white-bodied leadership and organization development consultants, facilitators, coaches, and trainers. This is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exploration of how we practitioners can disrupt our practices, those practices where we are unwittingly perpetuating racism, oppression, and harm. And it's all in service to being able to co-create a culture of equity, justice, and healing, so we live in a world that truly works for everyone. Thanks for joining us as we work to disrupt our practice. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Greg. Nice to be with you. Yes, as always. As always. It's a nice thing to be able to say, which isn't to say we don't get annoyed with each other in case anyone's wondering. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, I feel like you got annoyed with me about seven minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) That was not you. (laughs) It it was directed at you because you were there telling me about my audio problems, which are an ongoing thing in my life, which are connected to my personal material around getting heard. And it's just, Mm. gets intense quick over here. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, we'll do another podcast on how we irritate each other and what we do about that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that sounds good. Well, we're, we wanted to this week, we wanted to reach back to where we thought we were going to go in our last episode uh, and didn't uh, for a variety of reasons that may or may not be clear if you listen to the episode. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm not sure it was entirely clear to us. We started talking about something and ended up somewhere else. So yeah, yeah. So, but we thought we'd we'd do that and and touch back into the idea of this idea of the tools of the trade, which is also connected to a workshop that we've got coming up as part of this series of workshops we're doing starting in February, and the this idea of of looking at the tools of the trade that, you know, those of us in the organization development, facilitation, consulting, coaching world utilize and getting curious about them, quite frankly, just from the lens of if we're, if we're, if we're exploring in the question of uh, disrupting white supremacy and disrupting uh, oppressive systems, should we get curious about the way we approach the work we're doing. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, what we're, what we do springs out of that. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. Hmm. Curious about what's in there. Yeah. But yes, let's check in first, even though we kind of sort of just checked in. (laughs) Why don't you go first? People already know I was irritated a few minutes ago. How are you doing and how's your capacity today? (laughs) I feel like I'm pretty good. I'm feeling pretty resilient. Um, and so the, the, the experience I had, the feeling of like, Oh, this is, I'm feeling like, um, maybe I'm pushing some buttons here. I felt like I had enough distance from it to not take it in and, and make it about me. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm, I feel like, uh, physically I've been feeling pretty good. I've been doing a lot more movement lately in the mornings and I've been noticing mm. the impact that's having on my energy levels. And so, uh, you know, just as always a great reminder to myself to, uh, engage my body, <laughs> not, not just because it's so easy for me to just get lost in my head. 
And yeah. uh, so physically, I'm feeling great. Emotionally good. The sun that we're having in Seattle has been helpful. And Hallelujah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm doing good. I've, I've got a pretty high capacity today. And even for uh, if you get authentically and truly irritated with me, I, I think I'll, I'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> good to know. Yeah. I uh, really feel the attention to the, to the body and, and, um, and the impact of the sun. I always say, I think sometimes we forget that we're animals, you know, <laughs> we do. so I do. Yeah, I do too. Sometimes I joke about like, I got to treat myself like a dog, take myself out for a walk and chase the ball. But like, seriously, <laughs> it's good for me, you know? <laughs> Oh my goodness. I do that with my, you know, that's, we focus on that with our dog so much and we don't do it. Oh, wow. Uh, thank you for that frame. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Take yourself out to play ball today. Um, or whatever makes you happy. Uh, I am feeling since we connected and got through the audio moment, um, actually my capacity feels like it's really gone up. Um, I feel more grounded and I feel, um, I'm just struck in the moment, like just seen and heard Greg and like supported mm. and mm. like my little freak out doesn't take you out. And you're just like, okay, yeah, we'll deal with it. Take a breath. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it just feels good. Uh, so mentally that's helped me focus. I had a lot spinning in my, in my mind about the things we're up to and I've been taking walks and got out yesterday. And so that really has fed me emotionally and spiritually and, I think I'm giving myself a lot more room and grace um, just mm. as, as I ride the emotional roller coaster of kind of stepping into our work more and doing the podcast. And like you said, feeling that nervousness of, you know, saying things that could trigger people or I worry about, you know, undermine my credibility. So yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling grounded and up for it and excited to have this conversation because I feel like I'm wrestling with it all the time. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I appreciate your naming all that Shannon and especially your naming just you named it a little bit ago, but like that the audio stuff is related to your own experience and like trauma stories around being heard. Cause that, that actually really helps me understand a little bit more about what's going on when, when this mm. stuff happens. Yeah. I'm glad that you're, you know, that you're making time for yourself to, yeah, to take care of yourself and, and, in ways that are important, I think. And, and I want to, I just want to name real quick for anybody who may be dropping into this new or like, hasn't been listening to all of our episodes that, you know, we're checking in, you know, in a, in a kind of in a real way, you know, in a, in a, in a personal way, what may that may not seem very quote unquote professional, very on purpose, uh, you know, as part of the idea of what does it mean to disrupt our practice to disrupt oppressive systems that that we're all indoctrinated in in the idea one of the ways in which i think we get uh, uh, boxed in is the idea that like these kinds of things are not what we talk talk about at work these kinds of things are not the kinds of things we check in about we check in about to-do lists and um you know so we we, we want to bring in that that humanity and you know kind of model uh the kinds of check-ins that we believe are powerful and we actually encourage teams and leaders and all sorts of people <laughs> working in organizations to utilize. So, yeah, yeah, totally 
agree. I'm glad you named that. Um, I think just knowing what everyone's sitting with, people are sitting with a lot all the time. Um, So just to know that it feels like care, just care. I care what's happening with you behind the scenes. And, you know, maybe it makes the most sense to not meet sometimes or change your topic and actually, anyway, I can hear all sorts of people being like, yes, but that's not productive. And I'm like, you know what? It might be even more productive if people cannot fully be present to each other and the work at hand, then are you going to be productive anyway? Right. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm reminded of, uh, you know, I forget exactly who said it originally, but like a quote you've used numerous times of like team equals product, you know, mm. the idea of like, and so if you actually think about it, what does it mean for your team or the people that work with and for you uh, as, um, you know, having uh, the experience of feeling cared for on their team? Like, what does that do to the product? Probably. Yeah something <laughs> be my guess. Yeah. That would be my guess. Um, so actually we're kind of in a, a micro tool of the trade, uh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, which is designing meetings mm-hmm. and thinking about how we start and what we invite people to. I mean, I think people invite us in to support them mm-hmm. because they need, they need something different than what they've been doing, mm-hmm. you know? And so this is, I think, check in, can do a lot here, you know? And so in that, that it does disrupt some stuff that goes on in organizations and how people hold each other in their work. Um, so here's a little micro tool of the trade that we feel is really important. And I just am curious to our listeners, like if as, as you've listened to us check in over time, like how that's impacted you, been for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a little micro tool of the trade. But um, I love that you, you you folded it into like, you know, the the whole idea of design and setting the stage for, you know, so like as, you know, as consultants, facilitators, you know, we, we are not infrequently holding meetings or facilitating meetings that are anywhere from two hours, 90 minutes, two hours to a full day to multiple days of meetings and there's like, there's so many different, you know, we were talking earlier offline about best practices, right? And there's a whole, we could do a deep dive into just that term, but there's a whole host of, you know, quote unquote, best practices, processes, methodologies that, that we, you know, that we tend to go to uh, and that are probably very common to most of the people listening to this. And the questions of how do those things um, get in the way, well, one, just get in the way of um, sometimes just kind of an emergent, what needs to actually happen or solving the actual problem that's in front of us, given the fact that there's some of those techniques are 20, 30, 40 years old and probably rooted in some, um, you know, older mindsets that aren't necessarily that relevant, but also are actually um, rooted in the, you know, the cultures of white supremacy that we've, that we've been exploring and talking about. And so you mentioned before we started recording, coming back to Patrice Palmer's quote, right. And we've talked about Patrice Palmer's Ted talk, which we'll link to. Um, and that quote of 
there's a difference between you are welcome here and I had you in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, when you, when you're thinking about that, about around you know, designing of a meeting, whether that's a two hour thing or a three day thing and thinking about best practices and tools of the trade and all of these things, what, what comes up for you? Mm. So much. Yeah. I almost don't know where to start now that you posed a big open-ended question. Uh, I guess I'll just start, which is when I heard them say that I felt something in my body, Mm -hmm. um, a qualitative difference. And I can even think of times in my own life when I feel like someone has engaged with me, you know, in a way that had me in mind, like, Mm. um, my particular needs, my life, you know, my personality, you know, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing, you know, but I also think about for tools of the trade and for us as consultants and facilitators is like our models sprung out of culture and context you know, that's that even with the best of intentions, I was reading about T groups before we got on here, you know, and T groups yeah. way back mm-hmm. have their roots in trying to deal with some interracial issues, mm-hmm. you know? So there's like great intent and there's also been some great outcome, you know, mm-hmm. and they were developed and they went on to be used. And I just think about, well, who did they have in mind? You know, and what did they have in mind? And so I think about that for myself. And when I'm, you know, like, let's say I'm designing a meeting, I just try to think about the different people that are attending and what their needs might be and the people that are asking us to do the work. What did they have in mind? (laughs) You know, I think there's a way that that just asking myself that and my clients and you and I, when we're designing, running designs by people that just help us keep in mind and what we have in mind. I have an example, but I'm going to stop talking and see like what's coming to mind for you is I'm kind of riffing my answer here to your question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I think, you know, what, what you're just sharing there makes me think about like the thought exercise of imagine your typical employee, like if you were just like, you know, imagine your typical engagement at a, you know, at a company and then who's the typical person that would be there. Just like, you know, just kind of bring them to mind, you know, and the kind of, and this is, I mean, this is an unfair sort of, it's, this is a very generalizing sort of exercise, but it, I think it's, yeah. it's useful in that it can highlight uh, some of the, the biases that we have in our, you know, depending on what our positionalities are. And, you know, if we think about like, who's that typical person, what do they look like? How old are they? What gender are they? What's their, their ability, their physical abilities, uh, you know, what are they, how do they speak? What kinds of languages they use? And all, you know, all of those kinds of questions can start to highlight who we're going to unconsciously have in mind when we're designing things. 
And, you know, I think Patrice's question also points to something that, you know, we, we explore with Aaron and, and the holistic resistance crew, Aaron Johnson, the holistic, holistic resistance crew. And Adam Slade. Yeah. But like, of you know, who we can't like there, there, there are ways in which our, our positionalities make it like literally impossible to understand or, or like fully know the needs of, of another positionality. And so if we're not actually figuring out ways to engage, what does it mean to like engage those positionalities in the question of how do I set the context? How do we set the stage here? And that seems like it can come all the way from, okay, what are the tools we're going to use and the exercises processes we're going to use in the course of the thing to where are we going to do this? Like what's the environment we're going to, what, what kind of room are we going to have it in? You know? Um, and I think of, I actually think of this, this story that Aaron tells of being invited to this um, outdoor in like this, this outdoor event outside of Portland, Oregon, there's like in the forest and he gets mm. there and like the, the, the group there's all like pretty much everyone there is white except for him and, and Portia. And the, the you know, everybody's like skinny dipping you know, and they're like, come join us. Like you should come and join us. And and he's just like, um, do you you understand like the relationship that I might have with being around a bunch of white people in trees and the idea of taking off my clothes around y'all and jumping in the water, like doesn't feel like this was actually an event that considered me in Mm. in the invitation and like and considered like what it would feel like for me. And so I don't feel like, you know, mm. and so there's just a way in which, you know, that there's things that we don't as white bodied folks don't know to think about. And how, so how do we learn how to think about those things? I don't have the answer to that question. It's just <laughs> something that is right. like landing in me hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the answer to that question either, except to keep talking and learning and being curious, asking folks, building relationship, being in community. Yeah, it's so powerful to think about what it means to have have someone in mind in this moment. I'm just thinking about, you know, we need relationship. You know, we need we need knowing each other. So that's that's one thing that that definitely comes to mind, you know, as I listen to that story and also just think about our relationship with Aaron and Portia and, you know, Adam and others where we just get to know more. Mm-hmm. So that feels really important. And I, you know, I think about, you know, also going back to things like, well, and my mind went, of course, four different directions, but the one that I think I'll, go to is thinking about things like safety and authenticity, Mm. you know? And so we've talked about this in a previous podcast, um, but always thinking about what are my assumptions about authenticity and vulnerability and safety and Mm -hmm. what it's like for people of different positionalities to 
to speak up, to take risk, to share, mm-hmm. you know, what happens when they do, what happens when they don't, how does my meeting design take that into consideration as much as I can. There's not a perfect meeting design or something that's going to, you know, ensure all of that, but just always looking at things with that, with that Mm -hmm. lens in the, in the background. Right. I think that's what we're trying to invite here is just the curiosity of what our practices, our models and approaches, who did they have in mind? What did they have in mind? And bring bring that into our awareness. I think even before we do anything, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just really bring it into our awareness and feel it and be curious. Yeah, um, you, and you know, you you know, speaking to to safety and trust, and and I think about the way that those get built into frameworks. You know, we were talking earlier about you know Peter Lencioni's five dysfunctional team, Patrick Patrick, Patrick Yeah, sorry, Patrick Lencioni's. Um, and then there's, uh, you know, I mean, even in team elements, right. Which is a process that we use, right. Safety and trust are built into the model. And the question of like, I think it's really easy to just kind of fall into the assumption that those things are the same for everybody. Like, like somehow there's, if, you know, we can just get to trust and that like, but the, the, the way to trust is maybe the same or, um, mm. Or like the if the team can get the trust, it, it doesn't matter who's on the team in some ways. Like if the team can get the trust, we can just trust the process. You know, we'll get there without necessarily. And I think, yeah, I don't think that there's a. I, I'm personally not of the belief that there's like an intentional ignorance around this, or like an intentional. No, you know, I think that there's a. I think it's it's really in the context in which we're in. You know, and like this comes back to that whole idea we've talked about before of it's not your fault, but it's your responsibility. You know, right. like we're in a, we're in a, co- a context and a culture of white supremacy and, and, and the way that we navigate out of that, you know, is through actually confronting that and being with it. And, and, um, it, but of course these, so of course models and frameworks evolve this way, you know, and if we look at who's coming, like who, who, who are the authors you know, where's, where's the literature coming from? Where are the practices being developed? You know, a, a lot of it's coming out of white academia, you know, it's like, right. and it's a lot of white men, quite frankly, and that's changing and it's changed over the years for sure. Yeah. And it's still at the root of the, of the industry, you know? Yeah. It just is. And we're learning to do different things. And I think that's what you and I feel excited and energized about. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think for me when I when I learn about completely different ways of thinking about uh like let's take, you know, change and support. You know, when I learn about completely different models that are usually not white controlled and not white led there's just amazing things happening out there that are completely outside the realm of my imagination. Mm. Right. Like I, Mm -hmm. I learn of stories. I was listening to one last night actually on the, for the wild podcast and um, I'll pull that up and I'm forgetting the speaker's name right now. Um, An indigenous man, Jose, it'll come to me. And he was talking about, 
he's a photographer and he does a lot of work with big companies, you know, but he was talking about reorienting to the idea of what does it mean to be a creator? And, mm. you know, the, the ways that he's making choices about who he's going to work with and not work with. And can they understand being in service to a community, whatever a community says those needs are, you know, through the work and not being extractive. So that's another mm -hmm. thing that's really on my mind. Um, and also mm -hmm. our conversation mm -hmm. with Aaron. And I remember Portia once saying to me, I feel consumed by white folks. And I was just like, ugh. you know, so I think about, you know, productivity and the roots of OD being, you know, from watching workers in factories and, you know, trying to optimize work and yes, also develop and care for the humans in them. I know that that in intention is in there. Like, and again, from what lens, but like to, to listen to this gentleman last night, just talk about his whole orientation. It's like just outside my understanding uh, like it's not going to, I'm not going to be able to create a meeting or a program or anything, an approach or a model from that, that's sourced in that, at least not without tons and tons of work. And I don't even know actually that that's my place, mm. right? Because mm -hmm. we're now we're into issues of thinking about appropriation and who's the most mm -hmm who needs to be leading the work and who needs to be supported and, and all of that. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess that also kind of leads us full circle to like, it's not my ill intent that I create things that aren't like that. Like, I just don't mm -hmm. know any different and I would like to know different. It's amazing to me what is possible, what people mm -hmm. are doing and how they hold their work, mm -hmm. not only for people, but for communities, for the planet. Mm -hmm. Um, for for plants for anyway just it was so that's really on my mind too of like the patriarchy and capitalism and productivity and human resources and this kind of extractive consume each other sort of mm -hmm. thing right not with ill intent it's just happening yeah and i i mean i've like what what i'm sitting here thinking about right now is the ways in which like there's these different, you know, if we think about it, kind of a spectrum of, of development around this stuff, or maybe development's mm. the wrong word. Cause that's, that's actually probably still rooted in hierarchical, in white, in hierarchy. but like up into the right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, you know, this kind of spectrum of um, understanding or um, seeing, seeing this stuff and the, the, you know, this, this, this person that you just were referring to um, is, you know, somewhere on that spectrum uh, and you're where you operate is somewhere else on that spectrum right. and where a client is, is somewhere else on that spectrum. And like, what, what are the ways in which we can recognize that meet people where they, where they're at while also helping them move them along that spectrum but we have to understand where we live on that spectrum, like as individuals. Yeah. So useful. Okay. This is something that I'm not maybe qualified to do, or this is something that I'm not uh, meant to do, but I also recognize that this person, maybe this person, Jose, 
uh, Jose Rivas. Maybe Jose Rivas would be exactly the perfect person to completely transform this organization. But if they walked in there right now, if he walked into the room right now, it would, it would blow all the fuses in the space. <laughs> and so right. what is the way to, you know, where the, where like, and I, I've, I've, we've talked about this before, like with holistic resistance, one of the things that I was always saying when I started the understanding whiteness program for men was I want to be a bridge between white guys and getting into holistic resistance. Cause I think that yes. in some ways just walking in the door is going to blow a lot of people's fuses but yeah. maybe there's a there's a, a step, a couple steps right. along the way that get people in the door, and and maybe the same thing is true here. But we have to like you know understand the impacts that the ways we're doing things happen. So maybe we do use some of these. So like one of the tools we were talking about, coming back to tools of the trade, was like interviews and focus groups, right, as means of gathering data, and. What's interesting about that, especially when we if we consider the concept of extraction, is that in some ways, you know, I've I've, I've experienced and I've participated in discovery work where the the idea was go talk to the people who have the information, like get the information from them, then this consultant as the expert synthesizes that and creates like this, you know, this uh, this report that can then be brought back to leadership to then inform whatever the action plan sh- strategy or action plan or whatever. Well, I mean, there's, there's a utility in that, especially if you're in a place where there's like no trust and, you know, leadership isn't being trusted. And so it becomes kind of like a safety, like it can be like a way of people feeling right. safe enough or comfortable enough to share. That's fine in some ways, but it also reinforces the idea that like somehow as the consultant, I have the expertise more so than all of the people I talk to, including the leadership in synthesizing all of this into something that's going to be useful for them. Well, that you're even getting accurate data in the first place. Well, yeah, true. But there's like (laughs) a way in which you're extracting something from people and like, and, and, and whether or not that action plan ever gets utilized, that's a whole other question, right? Because I've also been part of things where at the end of the day, the thing that we, we produced got put in a binder and put on a shelf and life went on. And I've also worked yep. in organizations where that's happened. I've, I've witnessed that happening, which is, you know, I think one of the things that gives me kind of pause around those kinds of projects. And I've agreed to get paid to do that exact thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're not saying don't do that, um, but to get very curious about, yeah, about it. You know what what's what assumptions are embedded in the in that around all sorts of things. You know, so I think um, <laughs> the person to meet that wants everything to po- be coherent. It's like we should make a worksheet with the five questions. <laughs> <laughs> For the five curious questions to bring to your practice. Um, but anyway, but I really, I, I want to go back to this idea of, you know, a spectrum or a continuum or locating yourself in, you know, in, in awareness. Um, 
I think is a good one. Um, and again, not that there's like some end goal in mind. Yeah. But just to be like, where can you, where can you just keep learning more? You know, what curiosities do you have about maybe a lineage of a, a practice? Um, you know, I just think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and um, kind of the controversy that's emerging about that, where, you know, that model was actually sourced from his time of living with um, a first nations tribe in Canada, mm-hmm. you know, again, forgetting the name, the name of specific things. And I want to attribute things. I think it was the Blackfoot. Do you remember Blackfoot? I think so, but I, I've got, and I actually had a, a, an article here open. I've got a couple of things that I was going to look at. I, I had a feeling mm. it was going to come up. So I was, I pulled a couple oh, of things. Oh, aren't you clever. I can put in the, uh, in the show notes. Well, I, yeah. So I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that, you know, but learning, learning about the roots of that, you know, and you and I have struggled with, you know, we love circle, circle process mm-hmm. and, you know, and learning that from Pamela Taylor and, you know, where she's drawn that from um, specific first nations group in the Yukon territory. I think there are many, many sources for circle, process, but that was the one that yeah. we learned. And you and I struggling yeah. with like all of, like, just how do we do that? Well, how do we be honoring? Like it's not straightforward. And I don't think that it, that's the goal anyway, right. Is to mm-hmm. be in relationship with this stuff in ourselves and with other folks. Yeah. And there aren't, there aren't monolithic views on the appropriateness of this stuff either. Uh, I do know that, there are, so like, you know, you mentioned that the, the circle training that we did, the peacekeeping circle training that we did with Pamela, which was great. And we've used the process and amazing to great, to great effect. And that, that comes out of a lineage, you know, Pamela was trained within a lineage that, and she trained us within that lineage around it, which comes out of a particular, uh, I believe, um, primarily out of the Yukon territory in Canada, um, mm-hmm. the Klingit the and I forget the name of the other tribe me too that get that sorted and you know and so within that there are within that context there are uh our folks from the tribe who are like take it use it it's powerful use it and then there are other folks who are like this isn't for you to use what are you doing Uh, and so those things exist and that tension is very real and i think sitting with the tension is and being with it and being uh, in our own inquiry around it, super important and to be honest and transparent about where the work comes from. Mm-hmm. My understanding with the, with the Maslow thing is that it's not so much that he wasn't honest about it. It's it has to do with the way it got p- pulled into the, into the world of psychology and into the world of development and like mm. Blackfoot kind of got, pushed aside and erased and then it became a triangle. I, I don't even think Maslow put it in a triangle. It became it like mm. got put into this got very co-opted yep. model, yep. you know, and that's, that's one of the things I think I, I tend to think about is like when I see a model that is rooted in hierarchy of like, and not to say that things like hierarchy in itself is intrinsically bad. I don't think that's true. Like as Ken Wilber might say, you know, the, to believe that hierarchies are bad is a, actually a hierarchical thought. <laughs> you know, so, but yeah. to, to, I don't think that's necessarily true because I think that they exist in in ways. But 
But when I see a model that basically says like, it always goes like this, step one, step two, step three, step four, I get really suspicious because I, I feel like that's rooted in a, in a worldview that, that doesn't necessarily take into account um, a lot of other worldviews that, you know, right. this, you know, I, I even, um, the other thought that just kind of coming that feels related, maybe it's just kind of adjacent is it's similar to the whole idea of like things are woo, woo, woo. Oh, know, right. A lot, a lot of those things we call woo, woo actually are like just normal ways of being in other cultures, <laughs> you know? And, and so it's dismissive and it can be dismissive of somebody sitting in the room who may be like, well, actually that's just who I am. Like what you just described as being woo, woo is just who I am. But it's also just dismissive in the sense of, it doesn't give us the opportunity to go, well, what, what do we actually need here? Like what's actually possible here? Right. Yeah. yeah. makes me think of Adrian Marie Brown, one of her principles, like less prep, more presence. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's also making me as you're, as you're talking, uh, you know, that famous, famous saying, if you can attribute it for me, great, but like all models are wrong and some are useful. Right. So the intention of our, our frameworks and whether hierarchical or, or not is to help people make sense of things, right? So we're not saying models are bad, understand where they're rooted. And then I think the other thing I start to think about is like, where do they start to become norms, assume norms, you know, leading to inclusion and exclusion, you know, leading to harm, worse having things get weaponized, you know, where there's retaliatory things that start to happen because of, you know, how we're being assessed to something that is being assumed as, well, that's just the way it is, or that's normal, or that's what Mm -hmm. good leadership looks like, or that's what you need to do to succeed. And so I think it's another part of just watching our tools of the trade and, Mm -hmm where they tip over from being useful into being wielded. I remember being in that Angel Kyoto Williams workshop mm-hmm. and towards the end of it, this is a number of years back, somebody said something along the lines of, you know, we should be using nonviolent communication here. Like, you know, and, and mm-hmm. there was a lot of agreement in the space around like, yes, we should be using nonviolent communication. And, and it was in a kind of a context of the larger group conversation and angel reverend angel said nonviolent communication is great it's a fan and for those who don't know it's you know there's a there's a model that you know for but i'm sure it's actually it's actually relatively common in the in our field in our you know in our spaces especially around coaching and and whatnot and a lot of organizations are training in it right and yeah. but then what angel said was like but i've also seen it weaponized in ways that are incredibly harmful. And I got to say, I have too. like, I've experienced it as a white man. I've experienced it being weaponized against me. And yeah. I can only imagine what it does in, for what, what can be done with it in the, in the, uh, for, for people of color and other marginalized identities. Um, it's one example of a, of a tool that definitely has its value, but if not looked at from, if we're not actually cautious about it, it can become, it can become dangerous. Yeah. I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking we've kind of made our point. 
(laughs) (laughs) So I find myself thinking about, you know, kind of the what, so what, now what piece, or just if people want to, you know, go read more and learn more and ponder things more, like what resources me might suggest. And, um, Mm. you know, I think for me holding that the four levels of racism lens here, like what is my internalized Mm -hmm. story Mm. about any one of these things? Like if you, if you regularly do change projects, what's your own story assumptions, biases, expectations around change and good change, what makes change work. And so I think that interpersonal internalized piece of discovery is important. And then, you know, how does that begin to show up maybe in how I hold people and change processes and decide, you know, who's a naysayer and who's a, who's a supporter. And then, Mm. you know, how does that play out more in, in that kind of institutional approach that I might be taking or suggesting or recommendations I make or status updates Mm -hmm. I give. And then, you know, if you're working in really big systems, what's happening in that systemic level, maybe if you're, you know, trying to help a whole network of people, you know, lead a movement or lead change. So I find myself thinking about, about that. And then just any books, podcasts that Greg, that come to mind, like that are really specific to our field here. I'm looking at the systems change and deep equity. Uh, Mm, mm -hmm. White paper up here. Awesome book. Um, It's from the organization. It's change elemental co-creating power for love, dignity, and justice. And this is Mm -hmm. something you can download and it talks about those four different levels and it says it's all about systems change with Cheryl Petty and Mark Leach um, and systems change pursued without deep equity in our, is in our experience dangerous and can cause harm. And in fact, leaves some of the critical elements of systems unchanged hmm. um, and equity pursued without systems change is not comprehensive at the level of effectiveness currently needed. So we can put that in the show notes. I love thumbing, thumbing through this because it's, everything I read, I read a page and I'm like, wow, I got to think about that for a while. Um, yeah. Yeah. Another, I mean, another great resource is uh, you mentioned Adrian Marie Brown earlier, mm-hmm. um, who is a amazing teacher and writer and ph- um, philosopher and, and facilitator and um, who has several books. Um, the, the kind of core book of her approach and philosophy is emergent strategy and then she has a follow-on to that book called Holding Change, which is specifically around facilitating from an emergent strategy perspective. And I think there's a lot of stuff. So in, good. She has so many good books. questions. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of, and a lot of, um, and, and a Holding Change in particular has a lot of questions that point to the, the very things that, you know, those of us who are in white bodies and, you know, less marginalized identities are... I'm not necessarily thinking of so questions that we, you know, mm-hmm. we might want to be inviting into our practices. And um, I think that's a, you know, and, and so, and then the, you know, she has the, or the, I shouldn't say she has, cause I think she's actually kind of stepped away in a little bit to allow the emergent strategy 
Institute or I forget exactly what it's called, but I'll link to it, but, Mm -hmm. um, to operate and, and they've got, they do trainings and they have a podcast and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of really great wisdom that comes out of that space. Yeah. Yes. And I think we can also link to the for the wild podcast. Um, and the specific one that I mentioned with, um, Jose Rivas, Mm -hmm. um, that was amazing to listen to. And I, in fact, find many of the podcasts on For the Wild take me to that place that I described of her talking. And she talks to Bayo, Greg. I know. Am I pronouncing that right? Bi- There's a Bayo Kumalafe. Yes. Um, and she has a podcast with him. And, you know, and she talks with folks that talk about their way of holding the world that just is like so outside. Mm-hmm. my worldview. So I, I highly recommend that podcast just to start that whole like, whoa. Um, I don't know if you have, have anything you would add to that. And I think we can wrap up. There's, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of resources that uh, I would need to actually, I, I don't have them on the top of my head, but there's, you know, I see me, I may, I may drop some more into the show notes that aren't mentioned here, but um Great. Yeah, all those are great places to start, you know, and and, yeah. uh, and I think the other thing is just the question, you know, and while we're going to link to Patrice Palmer's um, TED Talk again, and I think it's mm. it's worth hearing them say those words of yes, you know, more, you know, I'm there's a difference between you know, I'm welcome and or, and you know I had you in mind and yeah uh, and to you know I guess that you know one of the questions that I'm bringing into just my day-to-day practice, like practice in design and all of that is this question of like, you know, who do I not have in mind here? Like, what does it mean to, and, and, you know, and so that's something that I'm wrestling with. And if you're interested in wrestling with this, with us, uh, we would love to have you come and join us at that fourth workshop on March 6th. Um, or we will be exploring this in, you know, in as much depth as one can in two hours. Yeah, we'll take a nibble. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think you and I have in mind creating a community of practice around this yeah. stuff, um, just working out how to do that. We are trying to get something like that established in LinkedIn, not that doing this on, you know, that platform is super effective in the long run for what we want, but as a way to build community and um, you know, so admittedly we're learning how to tend that, but if you want to at least be included there, uh, we are dropping things in there from time to time and questions. And I think it's a, a place you can go and ask questions and have a yes. whole bunch of us be like, yeah, I'm, I don't know. Or, Hey, here's what I've tried. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got, there's a, there's a link to that group, uh, in the, 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 the disrupting our practice community, um, in, on LinkedIn, that, that link will be in the show notes. We also have three other workshops that we're doing, one on positionality, one on the culture behind the culture and one on, uh, trauma stories and the stories we carry. Um, a couple of those will be co-facilitated by Aaron Johnson from holistic resistance. And if you, haven't met him, go to listen at, listen to episode 10. And if you really want to meet him, there's few people that are as amazing to be in a space with as him. So uh, highly recommend yeah. those workshops and the links to that are in the show notes.
Yeah. I mean, Aaron's hitting the road here with many folks from Holistic Resistance kind of going up the West Coast, I believe, right now. Yep. Um, so there are opportunities to, you know, connect with him in person and do song circle and be a part of of the gatherings and experiences that they um, invite us into. So do, yep. do check that out. I'm finding Instagram a place where um, it's easy to connect with them there and see all their different offerings in a very compact sort of way. So just offer that. Yep. I'll put the holistic resistance Instagram into the show notes. So we need to get this stuff on our website, Greg. So <laughs> let's, well, we can have that conversation um, offline. Yes, of course. We're working on it. We're trying to make it easy for you all to get connected to these things to, yeah, you know, to disrupt your practice and be in community. That's what really matters. So um, yes. bear with us. We are evolving. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Speaking of evolving, we should probably wind down here and yep. we're closing in on 50 minutes. And, yeah, that's a while. Uh, yeah, it's a long one. So thanks for hanging in there with us. And, uh, Please share the podcast, write a review if you can. Uh, let us know your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns. Uh, Greg or Shannon at connectionworks.com are emails. And yeah, uh, yeah, we'll look forward it's, to connecting next time. Yeah, let's build some community together, change the world. Indeed. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.